we are a proud member of the 143 Podcast Network. Hey, how you doing? My name is Joey Galvez, and I'm here to invite you to head on over to the 143 Podcast Network to check out all our shows that range from collecting, music, all things geek, all under one roof, right here on the 143 Podcast Network, partnering with Age of Radio. Check us out. The Cheers to Comics podcast is proudly affiliated with NSCLiveTV.com. That's No Signal Comics. NSCLiveTV.com. Find the Cheers to Comics podcast on channel 34 of NSCLiveTV.com. No Signal Comics. The best in auction action. The Cheers to Comics podcast is sponsored by Comic Kingdom of Canada, or CKC, another proud affiliate of NSCLiveTV.com. So, CKC, it's fantastic. It's a way to get everything you want out of comics, from variants, exclusives, and vintage comics uh, all over North America, but keep in mind they are based out of Canada. Now, here's the thing. Um, I know that may deter you a little bit, but they have U.S. shipping drop points, so you don't have to deal with the pesky uh, upcharges and waiting times of uh, uh, international shipping. Shoo, they got you covered there. Now, uh, Comic Kingdom of Canada. Now, they are uh, they go live on Facebook on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays at 4.30 p.m. Pacific time. So make sure you check them out as well on ComicKingdomOfCanada.com as well as NSCLiveTV.com and the Facebook sites. So, uh, once again, Tuesdays, they're new comics and some exclusives. Thursdays, there's exclusives and Rapid Round Vintage. And then Friday for Vintage All Night. So remember to support our sponsors, those who support us, CKC, a.k.a. Comic Kingdom of Canada, where they treat you like a friend and not a dollar sign. And also, as always, find them on NSCLiveTV.com, your home for the best in auction action. This is Brian Wayne, the official voice of NSCLiveTV.com, once again from Studio Cerebro, here to tell you all about more great auction action. This particular auction action coming from Hooked on Comics Super Sales. Join John, Mary, and the rest of the gang Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and Saturdays 7 p.m. Eastern Time on NSCLiveTV.com channel 1. They have moved from 12 to 1 from my understanding. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, come on in. High-grade goodies, a whole lot of laughs, and... Uh, yeah, um, there's an enormous wall of slabs, and then there's the bin room, and of course, an auction. Uh, <laughs> one thing that you will notice is that John's hat, the, the, the feller that be, well, partially running the show, the face of the show, his hat changes constantly. You never see the same hat twice. So once again, that is uh, Hooked on Comics Super Sales, Tuesdays at 6 Eastern, Saturdays at 7 Eastern, NSCLiveTV.com, Channel 1. Once again, that's NSCLiveTV.com, your home for the best in auction action. 
This is Brian Wayne, the official voice of NSCLiveTV.com, coming from the Cheers to Comics studios, aka Studio Cerebro, to tell you all about Sergeant and the Commander Auctions. Uh, join Raul and Donna Fridays, 4.30 Pacific Time, for a great night of comics, games, prizes, and so much more. Raul is a United States Air Force veteran, and when I, I'm not gonna lie, when I see USAF written out, I automatically think American as fuck. <laughs> and he's been in love with comics since he was six years old. This comic book powerhouse duo has been together for more than 20 years and enjoy the love of all superheroes we grew up with. Be sure to check out the $3 Donna poll. That winner? It's a free slabbed comic. Three dollar. Donna Pole. Free slab comic. So remember, join them Fridays at 4.30 Pacific Time on NSCLiveTV.com channel 15. Once again, that's NSCLiveTV.com channel 15 for Sergeant and the Commander Auctions. NSCLiveTV.com, your home for the best in auction action. Well, hello again, slurds. Welcome back to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I am your host, Brian Wayne, and this is Trade Negotiations. This is a long-awaited trade negotiation. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it's been a while since I've done one of these, uh, mostly because I have been <laughs> graced with the... The, the presence of some amazing creator interviews, you know, whatever my bonus episode may be on Sunday, you know, it varies, and it just so happens that lately the abundance of them have revolved around having guests, um, and the guests I have had have been way too great to pass up an opportunity with, but with that being said, um, I have actually had to refrain a little bit because it's it's time to talk chew. There's a big chew crossover coming, and god damn it, god damn it, I've been aching, I've been aching. I've only got two volumes left, so this is Chew Volume 11, The Last Suppers, still done by John Lehman and Rob Guillory, with Taylor Wells helping on the colors. So, is it, hold on, is Taylor Wells done? Yep. That is correct. That is correct. So, um, <laughs> you know, like I said, it's been a while since we've uh, covered Chew, so make sure you go back and you read the previous ten, or listen to the previous ten episodes I did that fully cover these books. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's just jump right into chapter one here. Um, it starts out with a, a two years later type of, type of note, and it's, it's essentially letting us, <laughs> it's kind of spoiling everything in a way, saying everything kind of turns out all right. Um, but it has a, it, it's, it's Tony, um, sister Tony, up in heaven, and, uh, she's pretty much just letting us know that she's able to break the fourth wall and narrate the story, and, you know, things... Things are all right, <laughs> um, and she's also getting laid by the likes of, uh, you know, Napoleon and 
uh, Genghis Khan and uh, Abraham Lincoln and she's just getting bone left and right as one would want to do in heaven I guess if that's your version of shit <laughs> um, yeah uh, so then we then we cut over to now and what's going on now is uh, the president it's Easter and there's an Easter egg hunt to be had at the White House. But here's the thing, is on account of the avian flu and all, uh, <laughs> which I find this to be hilarious, which is really, it really relates to the, I think the, the long-standing question of what the fuck do bunnies have to do with laying eggs? Um, <laughs> so the Easter bunny has been banned on account of the avian flu. So there has been a replacement animal. Uh, this replacement animal... <laughs> This is a motherfucking platypus. Uh, yeah, platypus. I said it. It's the Easter platypus. And it doesn't drop off, you know, Easter eggs anymore. It's candy eggs and... Yeah. Which is essentially kind of the same shit. I fucking love it. I love how layman's just saying, you know, what the fuck is Easter? It's so lame. Uh, <laughs> oh, I offended a couple of people just now, I'm sure. Um, but with that, the fact is, is that, you know, obviously it's not a... Uh, you know, a, a real overgrown platypus. It is a man in a suit. So, uh, with uh, you know, the the FDA, they they you know, this is a presidential event. So there's going to be tight security. Well, part of this tight security just so happens to be old Agent Barry, uh, also known as D Bear, and Agent Voorhees, the uh, ever so slow, don't know how he made it agent. And they are now partnered together, unfortunately, for Agent Barry. And uh, they, they well, not necessarily Voorhees, he's just kind of tagging along, but Barry has this uh, sneaking suspicion um, that whoever is under the platypus suit might be... Uh, might be a real fucking cuckold. So he goes to to make this uh, uh, arrest, and the chief stops him. And was like, "What the fuck are you doing, dude? You can't do this. This is a uh, Eastern shit. And that's the platypus. You, what the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, you get, you know, there's no way you're. Mm -mm. So you know the fact is that's thwarted. Uh, uh, then we cut over to Olive. Uh, Olive, she is now in the midst of an internship with the FDA, and it just so happens that she is also in the White House. And part of her internship is this cooking gig, and she has been paired with this uh, this person, which you know she kind of considers a friend, and it goes by uh, Guinea or Ginny. I want to say it's Guinea. But uh, she's a fucking oddball, man. She smuggles in these chunks, and they're not just chunks. They're, well, it is a chunk. It's a chog skunk hybrid, and the purpose of it is it gets you fucked up. Uh, it makes you hallucinate, you trip balls, and, you know, everything's all hunky-dory. <laughs> so she's tripping balls during class, and um, while all that's going on, Egg shows up. Egg, if you're not familiar, they're essentially the... Uh, uh, what's the word? A radical uh, egg uh, chicken elitist group, if you will. And uh, yeah, um, they they are holding the president hostage. But here's the thing: is the motherfucker holding the president hostage pops out of the platypus suit. So give it up for Agent Barry, right? Well, he didn't get to do anything. <laughs> he was right, but fuck. If you don't act, you're wrong. So, uh, <laughs> why am I throwing shade right? I don't know. Uh, so, yes, his instincts were correct. And, obviously, 
shit's gonna get hostile. Uh, Jenny, Guinea, whatever her name is, she fucking causes this distraction and ends up getting herself shot through the window. Um, but that allows the president to kind of not be a hostage anymore. Uh, this, all of witnesses, all of this, obviously. All of witnesses, all of this, obviously. That was fun to say. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and, well, she does what she does, being the greatest cyberpath in the world, and she fashions herself a jello battle axe. And with that, she done decapitates herself a, a motherfucking presidential assassin. So this gets her highly recognized. Uh, you know, this is a big event. News cameras going on. So really, uh, she has no choice but to be recognized just because, yeah, uh, it would look pretty bad if they just kind of swept this under the rug. And with that, she kind of gets fast-tracked with her partner, Jenny. She survives. And... Um, yeah, well, uh, fucking, and then we also get kind of this, uh, you really feel like Olive's not so much of a fan of Jenny anymore on account of how motherfucking crazy she is, getting high on chogs and getting shot like it's nothing, and then really just attracting the bullet to her almost on purpose, like, I don't know, it's crazy shit, but fact is, is that <laughs> she's so fucking awesome still. That was just chapter one, man, that was just chapter one, uh, let's, let's, pop right into chapter two uh within chapter two we got ourselves a little bit of a prologue as they like to do in these chew stories and uh really what's going on here is um uh it's, it's savoy in the moment he loses his wife to the avian flu so uh right here is his motive for his uh really just diehardness to to conquer whatever the fuck is going on here and from that moment, he dedicates his life to you know, solving whatever the fuck this is. Um, and now we cut to now, where we have uh, Kobe and Tony. And uh, they they find out that the, the Pope converted from uh, Catholicism to the Church of Immaculate Ova, which is essentially egg. And their next mission is to be sent to Yamapulu, where uh, Agent Cardamon is missing, but has also been seen at the Overchurch as well. Um, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the thing about uh, Agent Cardamon, he also has some uh, some uh, cybopathic powers, and he is a cognominitus, and that allows him to be able to read any menu, no matter what the language is. Now, one would think that if he can read a menu, he could probably read anything, so pretty fucking useful. Um, so one would think that, you know, Egg has something that needs read. So that would be his thing. When Kobe and Tony show up, uh, before they get to Agent Cardamon, we get... Uh, a crossing with Savoy. Now, if you don't remember, uh, Savoy and Tony, they are uh, very, <laughs> well, at least Tony towards Savoy, not cool. Not cool. He doesn't like the fact that he recruited and trained his daughter secretly. He doesn't like the fact that, you know, he took a bite out of his um, body at one point in time. There's just a lot of things that Tony doesn't like about Savoy. Um, the, uh, but despite all that, Savoy is really, really, really trying to convince Tony we should sweep this under the rug. We're best if we just kind of fucking partner up, man. We got to do this. We do better if we work together. 
and you know Tony's still not having it. It's just it's not having it. Um, and you know we we do get this montage of them crossing paths over the years, and that's just Savoy's way of trying to convince Tony that look, dude, we just keep crossing paths. I don't believe in coincidence. You know we're obviously meant to be working together. Every time there's a case, I'm there, you're there. Why don't we just save the gas and ride along together? And not happening. Uh, but we do those moments that we get are very fucking awesome. I'm not gonna go into detail. I still want to leave uh, <laughs> leave reason to read read and pick up this book uh but yeah no you're just mm, have to see for yourself <laughs> so fucking good um but yes no from here they do find agent cardamon and he is now useless and insane he has been drained and useless and um he's yeah uh he's just kind of locked up just fucking bobbing back and forth like a goddamn psycho so now it's you know up to them to get him the fuck out of there and uh, then, you know, it dawns on him that, hey, maybe if Tony takes a bite of cardamom, he can maybe transcribe this skywriting. And that was obviously probably the thing that needs transcribed this whole time. This mysterious, uh, illegible skywriting. Um, but, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, he's able to then uh, transcribe it, and he gets two phrases that pop out of it, the first one being, chicken is doom, something we've all kind of known, but at the same time, why is the sky warning us? Hmm. And the second being, we are coming. Now that, that, my friend, is interesting. That's interesting as fuck, and that's the second chapter. <laughs> God damn, I fucking love this book so much still. I'm just gonna keep telling everybody how much I love this book. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's chew chapter two. All right, let's keep this thing going. Uh, chapter three, <laughs> chapter three. Uh, definitely setting up some stuff right off the bat, like this book tends to do. I love how they'll they'll, they'll do just uh, a couple of pages in the beginning of something, and then just a couple of issues later, or maybe way down the road, or whenever it may be. It's just like, oh, that's what the fuck that meant. So what's going on here is, as we know, Paneer is uh, the the widower, unfortunately, of uh, Tony's sister, Tony. Well, he's still alive, and he's still the head of NASA, and he and his NASA team discover this exoplanet uh, way the fuck out there that they call Ardo Capris Three. So that's what we get in the first couple pages of this here story. But then we go to now, and now it's uh, Tony and Savoy meeting for lunch. Um, a little bit of false hope. <laughs> uh, so Tony, he's there because he's under the, the premise that, you know, Savoy has something dire to tell him. Um, as we know, Tony's not cool with him, but he's there anyways. So, uh, they're eating, and right off the bat, Savoy starts doing small talk and says, Hey, our Olive's doing really good, and, oh, you're Amelia, give her my best regards on her next novel, and Tony just loses his cool, says, Get those names out of your mouth, it's not our Olive, it's my Olive, and I appreciate you don't talk about my fucking wife, and blah 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 just then, the waiter comes by. Well, this is just isn't any waiter. He's a plant. And I, I mean, he's not really a plant. <laughs> um, he's planted by Savoy. Uh, he's got some powers. His his uh, uh, foodie type of power, it's called a Victola... Whew, Victola 
Cusir. Victolo Cusir. I'm going to get them wrong every time, guys. These these letters don't belong together. Victolo Cusir. Now, what does that mean? Uh, wherever, if, if he dines with you, wherever you all dine together, or whatever you dine on, um, he has the ability to take you to where and when that, uh, that was, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that food happened to come from, or whatever, you, you get it, so, it's almost time travel in a sense, you're not necessarily going there, though, you're just kind of, uh, feeling out what it would be, it's more of all in your head type of thing, but it's still very real, if that makes sense, or it feels very real, um, there are no consequences, let's put it that way, uh, so, yes, uh, they have their, the, you know, and Savoy takes some talking into, and, you know, he's telling them, look, we really need to work together. History shows that when, you know, there's not, there's not, never been a whole lot of cyberpaths at the same time. And when there has been more than one, and they're not buddy-buddy, usually one ends up in the, ch in the other's mouth. Um, and I don't mean in a good way. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh... He's really trying to warn him, and Tony doesn't have it, but he, he does kind of agree to the, the whole, all right, let's, you know, we've got three different meals planned out here. Let's see what you have in, in store. Let's see what this whole uh, uh, Victor-Lola-Cursier, <laughs> oh, fuck, um, Herman Inari, that's his name, is all about. So the the, the first disc, it's a dish they get. It's uh, We get this kind of rundown about how these... Uh, these people, wherever they're at, wherever they're dining, they're they're on the dinosaurs and shit, you know, they, they like a good old dino meat, uh, Flintstone style. Well, that's what they take a bite of, bite out of, and naturally they flash to the prehistoric era, and now this is where things get super important. As they look upon, they see that the uh, the creatures that are most dominant aren't the creatures that we uh, know them or we know that they would be. If that makes sense. those words didn't go together right, it, it's very unexpected. And the fact is, is they're just uh, they're giant chickens with opposable thumbs, and they're very uh, raptor-like, obviously. And uh, yeah, they're they're the shit. Well, now how come we haven't discovered them yet? Um, well, this is kind of the missing link between birds and dinosaurs that uh, scientists have been searching for, and, uh, yeah. Um, uh, the, that, that big old goddamn meteor that came down fuck shit up made it, you know, extra hard to find these, these uh, prehistoric chickens for whatever reason. Now, the point to all of this being is that somebody is up to some foul play, and their intentions are to make sure that this meteor does not hit Earth at that time, thus allowing these... Uh, r terrible, awful, uh, giant chicken creatures to be able to walk amongst us, uh, and probably not allow us to live as long as we have now. So, that's a fucking problem. Now, as all of this is getting explained, uh, Anari gets gored. <laughs> Their way back gets, uh, uh, yeah, a good old dinosaur horn through the motherfucking chest. Tony, being the instinctive motherfucker that he is, just starts firing, but he's not firing at the dinosaur, he's firing at a Nari, um, in a very, uh, <laughs> uh, rapid manner in hopes of maybe getting a little blood splatter on him. Now, as you know, this would allow Tony to, um, uh, absorb his powers. Now, Savoy does point out the fact that, hey, is a couple of splatters of blood gonna be enough for you to completely learn his powers? And Tony says, no, I just need enough to get us out of here. A lick and poof, back at the restaurant. Now, at this point, uh, Tony's a believer, but at the same time, 
Japan uh, still wants nothing to do with Savoy, and at the end, it is Savoy really saying, you're going to regret this motherfucker, and uh, he loses it. So, <laughs> chapter three got deep, y'all. Chapter three went real deep. So, moving right on ahead now. We're on chapter four. In chapter four, Savoy, he's pissed, he's stewing, he's really, really mad that Tony, he's not cooperating. So at this point, he's got to... He's got to resort to drastic measures, and he alludes to his uh, his intentions by being not so ominous. <laughs> but he has a, he has a picture of Amelia, and he's he's mumbling to himself, "Look, the fate of uh, the world um, rests between the fact that you know Tony's not gonna play nice." with Savoy. So he's got to really get his attention, and he's got to do it in the most drastic way possible, and that's going to be, uh, seems like he's going to go after Amelia. So, now, uh, we, uh, we, we flash over to Amelia, and she, she's this big-time, uh, best-selling author, and she does these, uh, these crazy types of novels, because she's, you know, got pathic ways of her own. She's able to make one, uh, actually taste and experience whatever the fuck sh they read that she writes. So, yeah, she's pretty good. Um, she's, she's struggling with the ending to her series over and over in her head. It keeps playing that, you know, it's the world exploding and, you know, all's lost and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, she doesn't want to write it. <laughs> so, um, she's been eating these gallsberries to, to, you know, fuel the fire, the, 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 the creative juices. And, um, yeah, no, shit's, uh, it's not going well, so she's, you know, trying to confide in Tony, and he's he's out on assignment, so he doesn't really get the message. Meanwhile, uh, his assignment involves Montero. Remember that fucking hillbilly fuck? Uh, the guy that's doing the chogs and whatnot? He's all about the animal hybrids and shit. Well, um, he, he, he's been really producing these things, all types of crazy rodeo horses and racing horses and all, I don't know, just crazy shit. Uh, shamus and whatnot. Uh, well, he's, they had this one cow uh, get really, really overgrown, and it exploded, and that attracted some, some attention to the, by the law. So, Tony and Kobe, they the law, so they show up to investigate, and they remind Montero, hey, motherfucker, remember when we arrested you back in the day? Look, we know that you used your lawyers and your money and your whatnot, and you appealed and got your way out, and you have connections and whatever, but we're gonna bury you this time, you little bitch. And, uh, so, yeah, Montero, he's shaking his little boots. So he makes a phone call. And that person on the other end of the phone call just so happens to be old Mason Savoy. And Montero says, look, you know, you got me out of jail. Why, you know, the deal is that I just keep providing you information and you make sure I stay out of jail kind of thing. And Savoy says, uh, your services are no longer needed. And I assure you, Tony has much bigger things to worry about um, as far uh, way beyond your little bullshit. Uh, things are going to get really dark, and I assure you, for Tony. So, uh, yeah, he, he leaves with that, oh, mysterious little hang-up phone call there, and pretty much de denies his, his old business partner uh, any help, and says, don't worry about Tony, because I'm going to take care of that motherfucker one way or the other. It's not going to be good for him. So, uh, while all of that, while that phone call's happening, it turns out Tony actually concludes that Montero was really framed, um, and he realizes that, uh, you know, if you've been reading this series, you go back to a character called Angus Hinterwald, and they were responsible for creating these exploding cows, 
Um, well, when you mix that type of technology with the Montero crazy hoopla that goes on in Montero Industries, naturally some fuckery is going to be afoot, but one would never do this on, on purpose unless it was intentionally um, uh, malicious. So, it turns out there's been a disgruntled employee by the name of Eldritch Sazerac, and yes, he got some poor reviews and just decided he was going to blow some shit up. So, that's what the fuck happens there. Uh, Montero's free to go. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, shitty, right? Well, day's over, Tony comes home, and it's not so nice what he sees. He sees his beloved Amelia, um, presumably dead. Now, one can only imagine that shit is about to fucking go down for real, for real. And chapter number five of this, which is... Whew, oh, fuck. Let's, uh, hmm, let's get to that. So chapter five starts out with the, uh, <laughs> with the caption of the death of Amelia Mintz. And once again, we get a very villainous dialogue, inner dialogue, um, monologue, um, with, the uh, old Savoy, uh, reiterating his vow, um, and how he wanted Tony to feel his pain, just like, you know, the wife and all of that other stuff, and, you know, really taking us on this, uh, on this very, um, elusive and misleading type of, uh, uh, tone, if you will. Still very angry, you know, he, he knows what the fuck he's gotta do, he knows what he's gotta do. Tony didn't abide the first time, so now it's got to get fucking weird and dark and gross. So, um, Tony comes home, he finds Amelia. Uh, thankfully, she's not so dead. She's not so dead after all. And when he says, what happened? Uh, she answers, Savoy. And, you know, of course, he's automatically going to lose his shit. And then she continues on, saved me. Um, so that's, that's where this thing took a big old fucking turn. Uh, so, uh, while all of this is going on, the, the, the instances between, uh, Tony and Amelia, um, it keeps going back and forth with, uh, Savoy and his, his reasoning. So the way this is, um, uh, I guess mapped out, plotted out, it's done very, very well, almost in like a Tarantino fashion. And I find that very, very fitting for the fact that, uh, um, the, the, this, this volume <laughs> revolves around a lot of Tarantino homage covers, so, hmm, yeah, what do you know? Uh, it's brilliant. These guys, seriously, brilliant, both of them, Guillory and Lehman. Uh, they're geniuses. So, uh, with that, um, uh, it's, uh, we see Savoy, he's, he's reading, and as we know, Amelia, she is a writer that has been struggling with the ending of her book. So Savoy's reading, he finishes the uh, paper manuscript, and he burns it, sets it on fire. So, um, now, uh, the egg. What's going on with egg? The thing is, is the egg just kind of... They Savoy knew that egg would be there. You know, they knew that uh, um, with what she was going, she's a big-time author now, they knew that she was getting ready to write some shit, and, you know, they're, they're fucking extremists, and, 
um, extremely radical, that's for sure. So they, yeah, she was a threat, and Savoy just knew that they would be coming after her. So with that, that gave him his opportunity to weasel his way all up in there. So as she is getting her, her butt kicked by Egg, just as, you know, she's refusing to hand over the, the, the last pages of her, her manuscript, Savoy shows up. And that's when he whoops some motherfucking ass real handedly. So... Uh, and then, you know, and that's when Tony, after he picks up Amelia, he sees behind the counters, oh, yeah, a couple of dead egg bodies, so, hmm, what are you gonna do? And, uh, yeah, but, nevertheless, it's, it wasn't just, a, uh, so, that was Savoy's in on getting all of her, her writings, um, and that being her laptop, her, her, uh, fucking pen and ink and all of that stuff every version of this book possible even including her gallsberries which she um says she needs to write uh, <laughs> uh says the uh the uh, college student on adderall but uh what are you gonna do right uh <laughs> fucking uh so yes and at this point uh we go back to some some savoy dialogue within himself and uh further explaining you know, his, how he knew that, you know, the egg thing was going to show up. And uh, at this point, Tony, he's got to go get some answers. He gotta, he's got to track down where the fuck Savoy is. He's got to find him. He's fucking pissed regardless. Um, even if he did save uh, Amelia, he, he's, he's not, he, he needs to know where the fuck he's at. So there's one person he knows for sure uh, that would definitely know, and that would be Agent Caesar Valenzano. So he is currently uh, occupied fighting a Dakadauda factor. <laughs> yep, that's a thing, a Dakadauda factor. I practiced it. <laughs> and this is one of them one of them uh, powers to which you can fire carrots and the uh, the the magnitude of which a bullet would hit you. So the bigger the carrot, the bigger the peeling. Bah! <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. So <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's, uh, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna stop. Uh, so, yes, uh, the thing is, is that this, this, uh, this Dalkadata factor is at the top of, uh, Caesar's list. You know, he's in the, t uh, FBI, or the FDA's top ten most wanted, and Caesar's been after him for years and years. Uh, the thing is, is that Kobe and Tony, they don't show up to help out Caesar. They show up because they know Caesar would know uh, Savoy's location. And in doing so, he orders him to, uh, or uh, Tony, you know, he gets the location and he tells him, look, fucking this is, uh, call Caesar, or call Savoy and tell him I'm coming, motherfucker. I'm standing right here. I'm booty, 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 blue. So, uh, you know, fucking, obviously, it seems very much so that uh, Savoy is anticipating such action. You know, this all feels like it's all his plan coming together perfectly. So, um, as he's getting ready to hang up the phone with Caesar, though, we have a very soft moment with him uh, and and Caesar. And he says, "Look, dude, you're the best partner I ever had. I never had it better." And bloody bloody blah. I, I I love you, man. I, I really love you, man. And uh, yeah, so that's that's definitely sparks a little bit of suspicion as it you know clicks. Uh, the phone off, and as they show up to Savoy's location, he is found. Um, uh, well, hanged 
hanged, and, you know, the one thing I noticed about the, uh, the color scheme about all of this, you know, there's very little cover, color, it's done in, like, a sapia tone for the most part, but there's a couple of things that stand out that are colorful, almost in, like, a Frank Miller Sin City type of fashion, uh, one being the the backdrop of red in the far right corner, and which is uh, kind of the it's the backdrop of the recliner or the uh, the chair uh, that Savoy was doing his, his his talking in throughout this issue. And then the other part is in the foreground in the far left corner, and they're open cans of beets, and you know you see the purple you know indicating the beets, and that's really the only color in that. So I'm I'm wondering what the beets were. I'm um, a little confused on that. Hopefully, you know, I would imagine that's going to be answered in issue, or volume 12, which will be coming very soon. I'm not waiting a long time this time in between volumes. I promise I've got some, uh, I've got some intentions beyond all this. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but that's not the end of this issue, though. It is sad as fuck. It is sad as fuck as they continue on. They walk into the room and... Uh, Caesar Valenzano, he is fucking torn to pieces, man. He is pissed, and he instantly goes to Tony to blame. He says, this is all your fault, damn you, motherfucker. He's swinging his, his giant cybernetic robotic steel lobster claw. Yeah, that was a whole thing. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, because when he was fighting the, uh, you know, the, the, the big quote-unquote vampire guy, you know, everyone got fucked up, uh, so yes, uh, he's, but it comes, you know, and Kobe gets in between, says, whoa, 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 buddy, you know, what makes you think this is all Tony, and Caesar says, well, this here note that says, uh, for Agent Chu that was found in the back of, um, Savoy's pocket, and that note says, eat me, <laughs> So yes, this this is Tony's fault in some roundabout way. I guess there's a little bit of blame to be had. Um, and just like Savoy said, you know, one of them ends up in each other's mouth. This is going to happen quite literally. Uh, instead of them working together and using their powers together, uh, Savoy comes to realize that, you know, what what he has to ingest to get a little bit of what Tony's able to receive, Tony's able to just ingest such a, such a smaller percentage more uh, than Savoy in order to do so. So Savoy comes to the conclusion, yeah, he's, he's the more powerful one, so if one of us has got to go, it should be me. Um, so I'm going to use this whole thing to, you know, an egg set up that's going to work out perfectly. To, and, you know, and him reading the manuscript, obviously, uh, gave some insight to some shit too, but now that he knows it, Tony's gonna know it as well once he ingests him, if he does decide to do so, and I would only imagine he does decide to do so. Uh, I'll tell you in volume 12. So, oh man, as always, this is, uh, just another badass banger of a fucking goddamn trade negotiation. I love Chew, and I can't wait for the, uh, the, the Outer Darkness Chew crossover, and, whew, man, Big things coming. Big things coming. I, I or oh, uh, I can't wait. So that uh that wraps up this installment of trade negotiations. Once again, this is Chew Volume Eleven, uh, The Last Suppers. John Lehman, Rob Guillory. Uh, support this podcast, y'all. Support this podcast by becoming a patron, a member of the Slurred Army. Uh, I don't, I don't know, fucking, don't take the term army literally by any means. It just sounds kind of rock and roll, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, for as little as a dollar, man, a dollar, 
Uh, I'm going to hook you up with some stickers, and I don't just send you a sticker. I'm going to send you some stickers, uh, so make sure you drop that, that address. Um, and then there's other tiers ranking on up, depending on how much you enjoy this here podcast. So, uh, yeah, show your support. The, the, the money does go towards great causes, I promise. I promise. Uh, and it already has. Um, along with that, uh, leave reviews. Wherever you can leave a review, do so. But the the supreme leader of podcasts tends to be, seems to be, Apple Podcasts at the moment. So um, any feedback, input, make sure it's behind five stars. And uh, yeah, I'll definitely read it. I'll check it out. Um, make sure you hop on any discussions that I may have on social media. You know, you could always hit me up uh, on Twitter at Cheers to Comics. And then there's the... Uh, the fairly new Facebook group from, uh, the, the, you know, well, Facebook. <laughs> it's Cheers to Comics, the Cheers to Comics Facebook group. Um, you know, if you guys got any recommendations on any further uh, trades that you might want me to take a, a run at, give me a, you know, give me a fucking holler, man. You know, as you know, choose almost over, so I'll have some more room for something new. You know, even if it's a, just a couple volume thing or, you know, it's a... A 12 volume thing. I don't know. Fucking, we'll see. Um, I'm down though. I really, yeah, this is, I love these. I really do. Um, so, uh, thank you so much for tuning in once again. This is, uh, it's been a treat for me. I love reading these fucking books so goddamn much. I said it again. Uh, I'm gonna stop repeating myself now. You slurds, as always, read responsibly. Cheers, fuckers. Good day, I'm Ken. And I'm Steve, and we're the hosts of the Nerd Cantina Show, where nerd culture and society intersect. Whether you come for entertainment news, or some space and science talk, we are here to keep you informed on weekly nerd topics and discuss how they affect us as a society. As well as having in-depth interviews in our Cantina Conversation and Fight Me Fridays. Just like any cantina, we want you to join in on the conversation. From our blog at thenerdcantina.com, our voicemail line, or our closed Facebook group at thenerdcantina.com forward slash community, where we really get to interact with our fans. So pull up a stool and get involved in our community.